Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by Millions James, the exploding unicorn, Breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by Millions, Steve Dash, Rinko Levers. Hey everybody, welcome back to Wrong and Wronger. I'm going to apologize in advance for Breakwell being here, but we have thrown this show together at the last second because you deserve nothing less than our best. If we prepared, this thing would fall apart like it typically does when we try to set a time. But I am Steve, always on time, Olivas, and he is James. Let's just throw a clock out the window, Breakwell. And James, today we're actually early, not late. Are you okay? I I just thought, you know what? I need Steve in my life earlier than usual. That's that was my exact thought process with no ulterior motives whatsoever. Well, obviously, I bring just a little ray of sunshine into your darkened room existence, James. So I understand completely. Yes, and I I, I, I only felt a, yeah I only felt a little sick saying those lines. So it's it's true. It's genuine. It's from the heart. Oh, well, this is the show where we talk about well, we used to argue about things that didn't matter to anybody, and then we realized this doesn't matter to anybody. So we changed the format of the show, and now we talk about things that don't matter to anybody. And James, it was a long and windy road, as somebody sang a while ago, long before your parents were born, back when I roamed the earth. But uh, what are we going to talk about today? We are going to talk about car crashes. You, you started out with near-death. Actually, you started out like nine steps before this. You somehow got through <laughs> yes. near-death experiences. Then you finally arrived at car crashes. So we're going to go through that because we all know I'm a better driver than you. And I can't wait to have that fact immortalized on this podcast where no one will see it. I don't know what data you're looking at to arrive at that conclusion. I'm an excellent driver, James. But it was a nine-step process. So I started with, I was thinking today, as uh, you texted and said, hey, you want to record right now? And I thought, yeah, sh you don't even know if I'm naked right now. Like, what are we doing? But as I was preparing, I was thinking, ah, oh, we got break well again. And my life is a mess. It's on a treadwell, treadmill. Treadwell. And I remembered, do you, do you remember a band called Bread from the 1970s, James? You know what? From now on, every time you ask me about a band, I'm going to say yes. And you can, you, it's okay. up to you to interpret that if I mean it or not. So yes, I am, <sighs> I am a big fan of Bread. David Gates, lead singer, songwriter. Yep. You know what? It doesn't matter. I, I said yes. I said yes. Uh, no, you know what? I believe you. <laughs> I'm going to take everything you say at face value from now on. Because... But there's a line in a song called If, and the line goes, If the world should stop revolving, spinning slowly down to die. And I thought, that's kind of my life. And here I am, spending my last moments with Breakwell. And that reminded me of a line that the rock star I'm working with right now gave. I'm working with a woman right now, the only female band that went platinum out of the Sunset Strip era. But she said during the Northridge earthquake of 1994, they were she and her boyfriend were living together on a house that was kind of clutched to the side of the Hollywood Hills. And she knew she was going to die during that earthquake. 
And she said, the first thought that occurred to me was very telling because the first thing that jumped into my mind was, I'm going to die next to this a-hole? <laughs> that's when she knew she had to break up and leave him. But So that's what I was thinking about. Like, I'm going to die on the phone with James Breakwell. How do you explain that to St. Peter at the pearly gates? But then I thought, well... How many near-death experiences have I had? And then I thought, well, all of us have been in a car wreck. And then I thought, I don't know that I've ever heard these Breakwellian stories, which tend to entertain for at least 10 to 15 seconds apiece. And then you said, I've got a chapter on this in my upcoming book. And bam, the idea was born. Anyway, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll catch you next week. That was an amazing time filler and uh, a scary look into the mind of Steve Olivas, how one thing jumps to the next, not necessarily in a logical order, but I see the connection, and it makes me sad that I see it, but yes, this is a chapter in my upcoming book, which I have shilled on every platform imaginable, except for this one, so just in case our one listener, Judy P., has not heard about it, my, here's my upcoming book. It's called How to Be a Man, Whatever That Means, Lessons in Modern Masculinity from a Questionable Source. Basically, I went back and took my best 35 years of stories, uh, all the funny, weird things that have happened to me, and compiled them in here, and then took a look at what lessons of about manhood though, that taught me for better or for worse. Generally for worse, possibly always for worse. Uh, it's a good time. I get a little vulnerable in this book. And uh, one of the sections in there is about the times I have almost died. There's an entire section in there in car crashes, uh, which you can read uh, after June 1st when the book comes out. But before we get into that, I'm kind of curious, Steve. You never, you never come into a topic without an agenda. So you clearly have something in mind for this car crash section. So what car crash or car crashes are you wanting to bring up? I believe I have talked about the non-car crash near-death experience I had where I actually knew I was going to die ahead of time. Ooh, I don't where think Where I was have. in a tornado and it came close and I was like naked. I was outside of, I was outside during the tornado because there was nowhere to go. So uh, the roof of the building I was crouched next to flew off and went through the window of my car, which Holy was parked cow. next to where I was crouched down next to a building. And I remember looking up and the transformers on all the power poles were blowing. Like there were explosions and sparks and fire. And it's funny, the things you think, James, when you have time to prepare for death. I'll tell you the car crash in a second. But the, the only thought that was going through my mind was, I'm going to die and it's going to hurt. And I was pissed. <laughs> like, it made me angry that it was going to hurt when I died. And then it turns out I didn't die because somewhere in the stars, God knew I had to do this show with James Breakwell. I'm here as your angel okay James. so you just dove into that story with zero context because you're like i've told this story before which you definitely have I not i would 100 percent remember the time you almost died because that's you know my greatest <laughs> wish almost fulfilled so okay back up first of all are you like five are you 50 like at what point did this oh, happen where no, did this I happen was, like uh, in my 30s it was, this was in nashville so i was here already okay so you were you were in your 30s and were you like driving down the road and there was a tornado NATO? Yep. 
So there was, uh, if you live around here, there was a famous tornado downtown Na that hit downtown. Like, big cities never get hit by tornadoes. Uh, Nashville's been around a million years and never <laughs> had, but in 1998 it did. So I was driving from downtown. I was like two blocks out of downtown mm -hmm. when the, the tornado siren started going off. I was at a stoplight, and uh, on my left was like a low brick wall, and some of the cars were like screeching through the red light to jump the curb and get over to that brick wall, which meant by the time I thought, huh, I should probably do that. Like there was no room along the brick wall. So I sort of went kitty corner through the intersection into like a, it was, I think it was a restaurant or a, some kind of business. And I got out of the car and uh, there was like an L shape where two walls met of the business. And I crouched down in that L shape. There was no like overhang of the roof. So I'm looking up at the sky, which is it, it was literally like pitch black. It was huh. just what they say in the movies. It sounded like a train. It was black. And uh, like when it hit, the roof literally flew, like chunks of the roof flew off the building and went through my car, <laughs> which was parked probably 12 feet from me. And that that's sort of how I got to where I was at. Sorry, I went a little too far with that answer. Okay, so no, I, I, that's actually, I, I wanted all of that context because I believe another part of that story said that you were naked. No, no, no. I was sort of naked insofar as okay. it was me and Mother Nature, mano y mano, baby. Okay. The, the, this story needed so much clarification. I, The first time you <laughs> Sorry, told I pictured you just, like, turn. standing naked on a country road next to a car for some reason. And then <laughs> well, you're like... there were cows. Yeah. And then, uh, okay. So you were, you were not literally naked. That is not how people right. drive through Nashville. Did anybody in your immediate vicinity get hurt? Or was, like, everybody just fine? They walked away. I don't have any idea. I don't remember how many people died in that one. Man. But I do know uh, our daughter was, let's see, 1998. Our daughter was one at the time and in daycare, and I couldn't get there. Like, uh, there was debris in the streets. Uh, the car was drivable. But there was, like, a house that was pushed into the middle of Charlotte Pike, which is one of the main drags that comes mm -hmm. out of downtown. So I was, like, weaving my way through the streets I could worm through to try to get to the daycare. And the ironic close to this story is when I got to the daycare, it was at the Jewish Community Center mm -hmm. in Nashville where she was. All the kids in the cribs were brought into the gymnasium downstairs. That was the safest place to be. And she was sound asleep. She slept oh. through the whole thing. <laughs> Wow, that is impressive, and this I, I have a feeling this episode is going to turn into tornado stories rather than car stories, because we can never stay on topic. Uh, my mom had a, a similar survival story, I guess not not oh, quite that me. dramatic, but similar to the way your daughter experienced it. So my, my mom is one <laughs> of 75 kids. The actual number sure. is uh, nine, but at the time... She was number eight. There's like, a, you know, the way Catholic families work is you think you're done. And then like five years later, you have another kid. You think you're done. And like seven years later, you have another kid. Like <laughs> they get progressively more strung out at the end. So she was child number eight. And child number nine would not come until 13 years later. So for all intents oh and purposes, for most of her life, she was the youngest. And uh, my grandparents were on a farm out in Iowa. 
and a tornado came through. And they grab the children and rush them to the basement, or they grab most of them, because in a crisis, you can't be expected to grab everyone when you have eight I'm kids. I'm home alone. Yeah. So they, they ushered seven of the eight down to the basement, <laughs> leaving my mom either in her bed or on a couch, sound asleep. And that tornado rolled through and demolished, completely demolished that farm except for the farmhouse it was the only thing left standing wow yeah that and and that was and that and then afterwards they ended up uh, they moved to a different farm i think and they had to, cause i don't think they ever actually rebuilt that one my uh my family history here is a little bit hazy but yeah that uh, that nearly cut off my entire family line instead she was unharmed and went on to have 75 kids of her own and that's sure. how the human species keeps going right there just blind <laughs> stupid luck <laughs> nature is uh, nothing you want to screw with like it's hard to imagine the power of nature like we've had two big floods in nashville since i've been here too mm -hmm. and it's it's ridiculous how puny human beings are compared to that stuff yeah and it's why i will never get a house without a basement i know some people are comfortable living in slabs but then they'll do it like in Tornado Alley, they build houses without, uh, you know, without basements. Just throw them down yep. in a slab. Like, but it's okay because we put some extra two by fours in the walls of the bathroom. Like, <laughs> I don't think that's gonna work. Like, if you actually get hit directly by a by a big tornado, you are in trouble. We had one go through town uh, here on the edge of town a couple years ago. It rolled a car through the front of a business. Uh, but the biggest storm I went through was uh i think it was i was in college but i was home for the summer and it wasn't even a, to a tornado it was like straight line winds and uh, which apparently are even worse because they're sustained it was the kind of thing where you look over and everybody's patio furniture is like blowing across the road yeah. and it came through <laughs> and it and actually this is the story that starts the book the same book that i'm trying to get our one listener Ooh. to buy the how to be a man whatever hey, that means i've already pre-ordered it man you got one sale all right man I, if i get a second sale from this I, I don't know what to do with all my earnings <laughs> anyway um so that that's this story that that's the same storm that that knocks down the tree at the start of the book but it knocked out power to our city for three days like i've never been without power that long and it didn't Ooh. uh it, it really made you feel like the haves and the have-nots because it knocked it out at first to almost everybody but by the end like we were in the last section to get power restored so that was <laughs> that was where it really paid to have friends in different parts of town you go over there and they had air conditioning and they had you know power you watch <laughs> tv it was glorious it was like it was like going from the you know from the stone ages back up to you know modern <laughs> times it was uh have you have you ever had a storm so bad that just afterwards you don't even clean up you just wander around and look at how bad everything is just to kind of gawk uh, at the, the flood damage. was that way yeah yeah did you um did your house get hit in that big uh, that tornado or not or did your house not get damaged at all our house did not get damaged at all so we were far enough out of town that it didn't reach out there you know actually now that i'm saying this so actually i have a cousin in iowa uh not you know i have I, we're friends on facebook and i see her from time to time in you know uh in person but we're not super close or anything but i saw on her facebook post that like they had a they had a tornado over there and it knocked out a bunch of windows and things and it was it was pretty bad Ooh. and uh, that i didn't hear anything else about it and then i saw a post the other day 
they demolished her house. Like I had no idea it was that wow. bad that the insurance company came in and declared it, you know, unlivable or unrepairable, <laughs> and they just flat out bulldozed the whole thing. I'm like, holy cow, that's a lot of tornado damage. I had no idea it went that far. So yeah, I've uh, I've wow. kind of written off tornadoes. I don't worry about them. I get you know tornado sirens go off all the time, and I just kind of ignore them. They do you have this in Nashville where they uh, where they test them at noon on a Wednesday or noon yep. on a, all the yep. time? Yep, and every, apparently that's just a Midwestern thing that you there's a tornado siren. You look up, you get scared, and then you remember, oh, it's noon. If there is ever a tornado at exactly noon, we are all going to die. <laughs> I tell you what, we just had tornadoes around here a few weeks ago, oh. and it was pitch black. And with the sound of those sirens is so ominous at night. It's kind of a spooky thing. Mm -hmm. I, I was standing on our back porch looking at the sky thinking, well, this could be it. <laughs> and that's that's such a dad move right there, too. There's just the worst severe weather. Everybody's saying take shelter and get away from windows. And you go outside to look at the clouds yourself because you want to know. And and that's the thing. I think there's the, a real gender divide on this. I've never known women to do that. But guys, it's just <laughs> instinctual. And like when I was younger and more hesitant about the world, my dad used to do it. He used to drive me crazy. He's like, you're going to die. Get in the basement. But now it happens and I make sure my family's safe in the basement. And I just want to go up and have a look around. Like, I want to know what's coming. <laughs> well, the other reason was I wanted to listen because I, I I knew what a tornado sounded like. And I thought, well, I'm going to hear it coming if it's even a ways off. But the damn sirens wouldn't stop. It was oh. annoying. You know, the my coolest tornado experience uh, back in my very brief foray at the, at the newspaper, which, again, is in this book as well, but not this particular story. Um, hmm. There was uh, so I was the night reporter. And so I'd be there till 11 or 1130. And, you know, the evening is when the worst storms roll in in the Midwest. And there was a night where they were, um, where they were, there were tornado warnings and tornado watches all over the place. And so my editor sent me down to like the emergency command center, which I didn't know was a thing. Ooh, so every county in Indiana has one of these. And I pictured it'd be like just a guy at a desk, like hitting refresh on the, on the, you know, the, the weather channel website. And it's not like he's got this big map of the county up and he's actually got like, there's actual tornado spotters that are coordinated through this. And he's like up there on the radio with them, moving them around roads. And they're out there in the dark with binoculars looking for these things. It was, it was pretty intense. It was actually like a really cool job and made tornadoes, which, you know, you try to make them seem less scary. It definitely made them seem like a hundred times more scary that you have these people out there hunting for like there's a funnel cloud there watch out it's coming for you it was uh yeah those guys are those guys are crazy boy i had i wish i had more to this story but it's been too long ago i had a professional storm chaser on my show oh. a while ago and he's like a professor of meteorology somewhere and he's he's one of the whatever the national weather service deems as a storm chaser like an official one like they trust his judgment yeah i guess but like i said i wish i had more i can't remember anything about that episode. <laughs> i guess that well, they don't just trust whoever like i can't call and be like yo i see a funnel cloud like they're not which is the thought that like legitimately did not occur to me right now i guess i i just until this very moment i never put together storm chasers and the fact that i can't just call the news and tell them i have a funnel cloud <laughs> like they have to have somebody with some discretion who's not going to freak out about everything in the sky uh when i was little I well one got 
when I was at Oklahoma, which is in Tornado mm. Alley, there was a guy who got fired from the NBC affiliate in Oklahoma City because he did like create panic by freaking out and there was no tornado. So he got <laughs> fired. He was no longer a storm chaser for the um, for the network. You know, I'm going to jinx us you now and bring down the wrath of the tornado gods, but I think we've gone like two years without any actual tornado warnings where we had to run down to the basement. It's It's been a while. I mean, we had that one storm huh. that threw the car through the business, and since then, nothing, uh, which is weird because one of my kids, my eight-year-old, she started last year, started really freaking out about storms. She would uh, We got one of those Google Assistant things downstairs, and she would ask it every day for the weather, and I thought she just wanted to know how to dress. But no, she wanted to know if she needed to panic about storms, and if there was a storm, she wanted to sleep downstairs rather than upstairs and all of that. And uh, luckily, that went away because, you know, children can't stay focused on anything for long. She's she's focused on cultivating new and different annoying habits now, but the, the storm panic <laughs> has gone behind us, which is good because I didn't, I didn't want to have to get therapy for her every time it rained. Sure. Sure. Now, one last, let me circle back to the, where you said the car got thrown, or no, I'm sorry, when you were talking about losing power for three days, were you in the house you're in now? No, no, this was when I was in my hometown growing up. So I was home for the summer, I believe. I might have the year off. I'm pretty sure, maybe it might've been a, I was either back for the summer from college or hadn't yet left for college. It might've been a year or two earlier than that somewhere. Like life gets hazy after a point. Uh, But yeah, I was, uh, we had like, oil lamps going like the kind of thing that my parents would have on their dresser because it looks classy and we actually had to use it like this has never been lit before it's like we're in amish times and the other thing (laughs) and i guess they said that people are trying to dispute this now there's a a school of thought that people used to just go to bed when it got dark because there was nothing to do and uh, now some, you know, anthropologists and all this are saying, no, no, that's not true. People stayed awake after dark and all that. But let me tell you, when it got dark and we had no electricity, we went to bed. Like, why Why am I going to stay up? What am I going to do? <laughs> Read a book by candlelight? It's like, I'm just going to go to bed. The sun's <laughs> going to come up at some me. point. <laughs> am I going to talk to my siblings? Heck with that. We lost power um, a couple weeks ago. I, I was coming back. I was out late at night, and I got a text from my wife, and she said, you know, the, the power is out, and I just kind of shrugged it off because usually if you lose power, it's like for two minutes. But I got yeah. home 40 minutes later, and they still didn't have power. And uh, and so I – and we we just, of course, could not – like we, we have these electric lanterns that we had plugged in and charging so they'd be ready to go. And it turns out the outlet they were plugged into did not work. So we well, – <laughs> What we actually used to light up the house is so back in at Halloween, we carved like 18 pumpkins because we couldn't go trick-or-treating because of COVID and all that. So we just carved a ton of pumpkins. And me, being the super dad that I am, went back out and bought a bunch of pumpkin lights. Not candles, but like electric imitation candles that flicker. So we had a whole thing of these. So we took these electric imitation candles and turned them on and put them all over the house. Uh, to give it a nice psychedelic look. Uh, Some of them change colors and do all that fun stuff. Uh, The worst part, though, I discovered, so if you have natural gas and you have a regular water heater, a lot of times you still have hot water when the power goes out. We have a tankless water heater. We do not have hot water when the power goes out. So I came out back. I had been working out. It's like, all right, time to take a shower. Check the water. It's cold. It's like, 
guess what? I'm going to bed drenched in sweat because I have zero <laughs> tolerance for physical discomfort. That's the point I've gotten to in my life. And then an hour later it came on. It was like 11 o'clock at night. It was like, all right, now I'm going to shower because I am... I, I have that highest standard. So clearly, if a tornado ever actually came through and knocked out power for a sustained rate at this point in my life, I would not survive. I, w- I would not survive at all. But you've got a whole book on how to be a man. Of course you would. Well, that well, one of the things of manhood is staying where there's electricity inside your house. Like I, I have another <laughs> chapter on how awful camping is and why you should never, ever do it. And if you're staying in your house without electricity, you, sir, are camping. <laughs> Boy, when you first talked about putting flickering candle lights all over your home, I thought add a few rose petals and <laughs> you and Lola would have had a wonderfully romantic evening. And then you talked about coming home drenched in sweat oh. with no shower. And I thought, okay, the world has snapped back into focus again. Not only was I drenched in sweat, but all four of the children were closely huddled to us because we were in this large, dark house <laughs> covered by candlelight. <laughs> Maybe if you were childless and not, co- and not covered in sweat, that would work out. But no, circumstances Truth. were not mine or any. <laughs> anybody's favor that night well for now we probably aren't worthy of having any listeners anymore (laughs) it has come way too far into the day and we've got to let judy p get on with her life so we will wrap this episode and maybe at some point in the future we'll talk about car accidents (laughs) we need more platforms to push that book of break wells so until we get together one more time this is steve williams dr steve for james the exploding unicorn saying thanks for listening thanks for watching stay out of the way of tornadoes kids write that down that's life lesson from dr steve and until we meet again remember as always two wrongs can make a right